Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3. Today we continue part 2 of the series, I Promise. We're looking at God's covenant promises in scriptures. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. So good to see you in worship. And uh, if you have not shared this service, and I say to everyone in this room and everyone online, I want you to do that at this moment because I want people to hear this word that God's put in my heart uh, for this service. And uh, so please, even if you've shared it, reshare it because this is a word that I believe the body of Christ needs to hear and connect with. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says, For you are the children of God. Every one of us who have put Christ on, you're the children of God. If you're God's children, there's some rights and privileges that belong to you. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. We're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Not faith in some other religion, faith in Christ Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. It matters where you put your faith. For as many of you as have put, been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. Now, he's certainly not talking about the natural realm because we understand God created male and female. God, where there's different genders and there's different ethnicities. We understand that. The word is not attacking that. This is talking spiritually that in Christ, there are no big eyes and little U's. We're all the children of God. Hallelujah. I'll come down there and say amen to myself. For you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. How many in this room and online belong to Jesus? Come on. You know what the Bible says? You're Abraham's seed then. If you're Abraham's seed, there's some inheritance that belongs to you. I'm going to help you get your inheritance. Hallelujah. There's some things that belong to you because you're Abraham's seed. There's a covenant promise made to Abraham that belongs to you today because you have put on Christ. Hallelujah. You can be seated. By way of introduction, the Bible is a book full of covenant promises of God. One commentary says that there's over 8,000 promises in the scriptures. 8,000 promises. Is God going to go back on any one of those promises? If he goes back on one of those promises, all the others are affected. His word cannot be trusted. Every promise, every promise in the book, God is going to uphold, amen? Numbers 23, 19, God does not lie. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, will he not do it? Or has he spoken, will he not make it good? When God reveals himself to Abraham, he reveals himself by using the name Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh. The mere definition of that revelation of God, Yahweh. The definition of that name that he reveals himself as covenant-keeping God. He is not about to deny his own name. None of us would deny our own name. You take pride in your name. You're thankful for your name. 
Hopefully your name means something. And, and God is saying that my name is Yahweh. I am a covenant-keeping God. Psalms 89, 89, 13, 14. 13, 89, what? 89.34? Somewhere in there, 89. He says, my covenants I will not break nor alter the words that have come out of my lips. God's not about to break his name, destroy the importance of his name. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all his promises are yes and amen. 2 Peter 1.4, they are exceeding and great and precious promises to us who believe. God's not about to break his word, but it's up to you and I to believe his word. It's up to you and me to trust in his word, amen? Paul says in Galatians chapter three, verse 29, that if we are Christ, we are Abraham's descendants, and as descendants, we are heirs to the promises made good to Abraham. We have a great inheritance because of Christ. Verse 27 says, those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Because we have been baptized into Christ, because we have put on Christ, it dictates how we're going to live our lives. It dictates where you're going to go. It dictates where you, what you're going to do. Amen? I can't do some things that I would have done before Christ. Oh, it's getting quiet in here right now. Everybody's got a BC before Christ. If you have been baptized into Christ, if you have put on Christ, you can't live like you live BC. You are now a Christian, Christ-like. A disciple of Christ carries the nature, of the attitudes, the demeanor of Christ. We handle life the way Christ would handle life. Come on, somebody say amen. If we are Christ, if we've been baptized into Christ, we are made to become sons of God. That does not mean deity, but that means children of God, sons of God. Positionally, we have a right of inheritance because we are children of God. And many times Christians fail to fully grasp the authority that we have in Christ and the position that we have in Christ, that we have been grafted in. We, we have uh, family members uh, in our, our direct family that have adopted four children. And uh, uh, the, these children are reared in our, our larger family uh, just like uh, they were uh, born naturally into the family. They have all the rights, the privileges, the sonship, the daughtership. And I want you to know that you have been, you have put on Christ. You've been baptized into the body of, of Christ. And because so, you have rights and privileges as a child of the king. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want us to look at the old covenant and I want us to see some of the blessings and benefits. Pastor Jordan did a powerful job sharing about Noah last week and the, the covenant that God made with Noah. And to seal that covenant, every covenant you have being made in the Old Testament was sealed with blood. Watch this. I'm gonna show you several important covenants and every one of them were sealed with blood. Why? Because it was always pointing to the final sacrifice. The blood covenant, the second covenant. We have the first covenant, the old covenant. We have the new covenant. The new covenant was about the blood of Jesus being shed, amen? But all of the sacrifices under the old covenant were pointing to the final new covenant promise, amen? But every one of them were sealed. 
Noah sealed when he came out of the ark after having been in that ark for over a year and, and God had preserved mankind through his family and his seed. He, come, he comes out of the ark as Pastor Jordan shared last week and he builds an altar and he sacrifices many animals to the Lord and God smelled that sweet aroma and he said, I'll never destroy mankind as I did. Well, you know, that wasn't the first blood covenant. Blood covenant goes back to the Garden of Eden. And Pastor Cecil used to occasionally remind us of this, that God slew animals to clothe his children, Adam and Eve. God slew Adam Adam's, uh, his, his, for his clothing. But Cain and Abel learned about sacrifice from their parents. And there was a proper mode of sacrifice that God was looking for from the outset in the garden. That he wanted a sacrifice made with animals that would be pleasing. Cain killed his brother because his sacrifice was not accepted. His brother's, Abel's sacrifice, was pleasing before the Lord because it was a blood sacrifice. I want to tell you, God always, he didn't leave that to question. People have often asked that question through the years. What about Cain and Abel? I believe it was quite clear what God was looking for because he sets the types and shadows all through the scriptures. And so today we're looking at the Abrahamic covenant. You come fast forward in human history over a thousand years from, from Cain and Abel and then from Noah. And you fast forward uh, to where Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 12. And if everyone would jump over there real quick. Genesis chapter 12. God is cutting a covenant with a man called Abram. Abram lives in the Ur of the Chaldees. He is a... He is a member of an idolatrous society. His dad is an idolater. We know that from study of the passage and the scripture that his dad was a part of the idolatrous age. And God is calling Abram to come out of the earth and go to a land that I'm going to give you. God is always looking for a people that will come out of the world and be a separate people, be a people unto himself, amen? And because he knew he could trust Abraham, he knew that he could trust this man and that he could create a covenant bond between him. And God calls him out. And I want you to know, friends, you need to come out of whatever lifestyle you've been living in, whatever waywardness you've been involved in, whatever depravity you've been doing, whatever sinful practice you've been uh, allowing to inundate your life. You need to come out of that because God's wanting a covenant with you. And that covenant is based on the, the blood that is shed that washes away our sins and removes our sin stain. Amen? But he had to come out because God had some great things he wants to do. Before you realize all of the greatness of God and the goodness of God that he's wanting to accomplish, you got to come out of some things. Amen? you got to go to a new land, a new place that God is wanting and preparing for each one of us. And so he's calling Abram out of the Ur into Canaan. And he's giving him some promises. Now, Abram had a past. He was reared in a family of idolaters. And no doubt that had some effect upon his psyche, some effect upon his background and what maybe he had even been involved in. But God called him out. I, I want to tell you this morning that your past does not disqualify you from what God's wanting to do today in your life. If you will come out. You got to come out. Everybody say, come out. You got to leave the old behind and walk into the newness of the life of Christ. You can't keep dabbling in sin. 
You can't be a fence walker in this hour, amen? You gotta step into the newness of life in Christ and be different. That's good preaching right there. Hallelujah. God enlarges the covenant in chapter 15. And he explains the covenant that there were some benefits, there was some inheritance that Abraham was going to enjoy. He gives him a new name, changes his name to Abraham. Do you know that you take the Hebrew letters for Yahweh and he put those letters inside of Abram's name and made it Abraham. God put his name inside of Abram's name and made it Abraham. Do you want to know something? He's giving every one of us a new name. And that new name is written down in glory. You're not the same old Joe you used to be. You're not the same old Walter you used to be. You're not the same old uh, uh, Susie that you used to be. You're a new person and you've got a new name, amen. Hallelujah. And God establishes covenant and in this covenant promises, he makes a promise of land. I'm gonna give you some land. I'm gonna make your offspring as numerous as the sands of the sea. I'm gonna make you a blessing to the world. Watch this. God tells Abraham, I'm gonna bless you in such a way that all of the families of the earth will be blessed. How are we blessed? I read it to you in Galatians. Because when you put on Christ, you're Abraham's seed. We get part of his inheritance. I, I, I want you to know there's some land available. Somebody needs to grab hold of that right now. You're needing some land. Why don't you just claim some land right now as part of your inheritance? Amen. Numerous, your family's going to be enlarged. Amen. Some of you need some more children, some grandchildren. Well, you can, you can do that by just being in the kingdom of God and, and being a part of the family of God. Or God can just give you some as he did Abraham and Sarah. Amen. Hallelujah. But I always look at it's a wonderful thing to be in the local church and to be a part of seeing families helped and know that they're part of our family, the family of God. We're children of God, amen? Hallelujah. And he says, I'm gonna give you land, I'm gonna cause the families of the earth to be blessed because of you. Abraham makes a sacrifice in chapter 15 and verse nine. He slays the sacrifice. He lays the pieces of the sacrifice on the ground. Now, if you read in the Torah, the the rabbis from centuries, centuries, centuries ago said that you could actually see the footprints of God between these pieces of the sacrifice. It says that God walked among the sacrifice. And the rabbis teach that the footprints of God were actually in the blood that was puddled there between the pieces of sacrifice. I, I want you to know that when God cuts covenant, it's very important to him and he shows up. Now, he didn't require... And uh, someone pointed this out to me after the service. I thought about it when I was studying, but I forgot to say it in the early service, that Abraham didn't walk between the pieces. Only God did. Because sometimes we fail God. Sometimes we miss God. And God's covenant is not based on your works. God's covenant is not based on how good you've been and where you've missed the mark. God walked those pieces. God walked those pieces of that covenant making that covenant saying this word is on me and God's going to fulfill his word God's going to honor his word you may miss the mark I I'm telling you Abraham did not live a perfect life you'll see that Moses did not live a perfect life David did not live a perfect life but God's promise is not based on their goodness it was based on his goodness on his goodness 
Hallelujah. And God moved between the pieces of the animal. Now, just before God moves, fowls came to devour his worship, his sacrifice. And Abraham had to shoo the fowls off. I, I want you to know that there will be fowls that try to keep you from worship. There are fowls that want to steal your worship. You got to keep your worship pure. You got to keep your worship uh, holy before the Lord and keep it before God. And you got to shoo some things away. There'll be people that tell you, oh, you don't need to do all that. You don't need to get that excited. You don't need to be that radical in your praise. You don't need to be that excited about God's house. I, I even saw a post this week on Facebook. I started to respond to it, and then the Lord checked me on that. We don't need the local church. I thought, you don't understand the scriptures. You don't understand the word of God. You need a place, a, a corporate place of worship. The temple, the synagogue was a part of their life, is a part of their life, and they went to worship. And I'm telling you, there's going to be fowls that try to steal your worship, and you just got to say, shoo, shoo fly, don't bother me. Shoo, shoo. You got to shoo some things off, amen. Start that nonsense around here, shoo some things off, amen. Better you find a, uh, never mind, Amen pastor's going to get in the flesh in a minute. But Abraham did not waver concerning the promises of God. It says he staggered not. God made this covenant, and it was years later before they had their offspring. Sometimes it's, it, you just got to be faithful in the waiting. Sometimes you just got to walk through life and keep putting one foot in front of the other and knowing that God is true to his word. He's going to honor his word. His word is true. He is true. He is faithful. He is good. And God's going to honor his word and you just keep walking. Abraham kept walking until finally Sarah said, Abraham, I'm pregnant. Hallelujah. The son of promise was coming on the scene. Hallelujah. He staggered not at the promises of God. Abraham was justified, Hebrews said, by his faith. Let's jump ahead, but he sealed it with blood. He sealed the whole covenant, and blood was shed. Let's jump to the Mosaic covenant. Let's jump forward centuries later, and God's people are brought out of Egypt. They've been 400 years in bondage, 400 years in slavery, and a new day was dawning. A new time was breaking forth in human history, and Moses leads the people out. Moses was not a righteous man. But Moses had a, had a burning bush experience. He had slayed an Egyptian. And, and uh, you know, there could have been things that had disqualified him, but God's looking for a penitent man, a person that will repent of their sins and turn from the error of their ways and turn to God in this hour. And he led the people through on dry ground through the Red Sea. God fed supernaturally. And I'm telling you, there are times that God just does things supernaturally. And he fed the people with angels' food and from water from a rock. And finally, they arrive at Mount Sinai. And here, God makes a solemn and powerful covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses first goes up on the mountain. And God is, is preparing everything and getting everything for this covenant to be sealed. And uh, Moses comes down and he tells the people, don't touch the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. I want to say very carefully and very lovingly as pastor, there are some things you don't touch that God is very clear in the word of God. Don't touch the mountain. 
don't touch the anointed of the Lord. I, I want to say this very lovingly, that your pastor and this church never, ever, ever criticize another ministry or another pastor. We don't touch. I will not touch. But, but pastor, what about this? What about, listen, I pray for people. I pray for ministries. I, I will not lift my voice because there are some things God is very clear, don't touch the mountain. And it's better to leave things alone and put, listen, all of God's prophets are God's prophets and he knows how to deal with his prophets. You don't just, you don't touch them. You leave them alone and leave them up to the Lord, amen? That's good teaching and that's important teaching because I've watched people touch the things of God and that's not a good thing. Don't touch the mountain. God says, I'll kill them if they touch the mountain. And so he's getting everything in place and Moses ascends uh, back up to the mountain and uh, God meets him. Now first, before they ascend, he has the people sanctify themselves for three days. For three days, they are to sanctify, set themselves apart. I still believe it's a good message, applicable and needed in this day and this hour, that we are a sanctified people. We're set aside unto holiness and righteousness before the Lord. Amen. We can't live like the world, be like the world, talk like the world, do like the world. Come on, somebody say amen. And so he sanctifies the people, but then Moses begins to draw near to God. And I want you to watch this. It says in chapter 20, verse 21, that as he draws near to God, God had clothed himself in thick darkness. How did God reveal his glory? A thick darkness settled down. The people are beginning to watch this mountain and the thick darkness rolls in. God chose to reveal his presence in thick darkness. And then there was the sound of thunder that came rolling through the camp and the mountain was on fire and and smoke was 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 issuing out and as as the light of that lightning began to to brighten the skies in that thick darkness this is the setting of how God chose to reveal his glory to Moses it was a setting just like this that God reveals himself in thick darkness Smoke, fire, lightning. And God gave the law and the Torah. You can turn it off now. Turn my lights back on. God gave the law, the Torah, which is the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, in this setting. And Moses writes these things down. And he seals it in chapter 24, verse 8. And Moses makes a blood sacrifice. Now, he seals it with blood. But he takes that blood and he sprinkles that blood upon the people. And as I was studying that this week, I was looking at that, how he took the blood and he sprinkled it upon the people. Listen, as New Testament kings and priests, we are to sprinkle the blood. We're to use the blood of Jesus in our worship. We're to understand how important the blood is. And never allow the blood to be taken from its place of importance. I want us to thank the Lord for the blood right now. Come on, you need to apply the blood to your home and family. You need to apply the blood to your children, to your grandchildren. You need to apply the blood, the blood of Jesus, the power of the blood, the authority of the blood. Hallelujah. 
He takes up on the mountain, chapter 24, verse 9, and I want you to look at this, and I'll, we'll leave Moses in just a moment. But he takes Aaron, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 elders, and they go up on the mountain, and in the presence of God, they eat with God. God prepared a table in his presence. In his presence. In that holy atmosphere, they're eating with God. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, at the Last Supper, he's eating with his disciples. I, I just want to say that he was often found to be eating with sinners and publicans. Jesus may want to break bread with you sometime this week and show up at one of your meals. Amen. Hallelujah. Mealtime can be a very special time for the revelation of God in your life and what God's wanted. He chose to eat with them in his presence. In one of the greatest communications of the glory of God, God ate with his people and these leaders. But here's the thing that I want to leave you with. That there in his presence, Nadab and Abihu saw the glory of God. But a few years later, during their wilderness wandering, they chose to go into the presence of God, as Pastor Jim Rayleigh pointed out. And they took coals, not off of the altar that was in the holy place. They took coals from another place and offered wrong worship before the Lord. And those coals that doing, it, it, it really was what appealed to their flesh. There is even some commentary that says they were drunk and that they offered this strange fire before the Lord. Listen, we want to make sure our fire is holy and acceptable before the Lord. Amen? Hey, come on, I want everybody to say amen. amen. We don't need any flesh. There were five divine promises, and then we'll jump to the Davidic covenant. Israel would become God's special possession. They would be a nation of priests. They would be a nation of a holy nation. God would fight and overcome all of their enemies. And God would bless Israel with grace and mercy and favor forever. It was sealed with blood. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10, we read about the Davidic covenant. And I want the worship team to come back. David was a shepherd boy. But he had been raised and schooled in his Judaism. He knew the covenants of promise. What's wrong with New Testament Christianity today? We don't all understand the covenants of promise. We're strangers to the covenants of promise. There's some exceeding great promises to you and I who believe and trust in those promises. David grew up in a covenant setting knowing that God will not break covenant. And he knew the Mosaic covenant. He knew the Abrahamic covenant. He knew his predecessors and the covenants that they had. And as a shepherd boy, approximately 16 years of age, out tending the sheep, he was called and told to take some food to his brothers on the front lines of battle. And he knew that a covenant-keeping God was being, was, was being attacked by the Philistine army and, and being dressed down by their champion, Goliath. And he says, because he knew who he was in covenant. He knew his position in covenant, that God is a covenant king. He invokes the name of a covenant God when he says, you come to me with a sword, with a shield, and with a spear, but I come to you in the name, the name 
of the Lord of hosts. You know what he's saying? Jehovah Sabaoth in the Hebrew. And that means the God of angelic armies. Oh, hallelujah. He's invoking the name. When you're a covenant person, you know how to invoke the name Jesus. When you need to name that name that's above every other name. When there's a fevered brow or there's a heart attack or threatening or, or someone needs some immediate help, you invoke the name. Come on, say the name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You need to stand up with me right now. Hallelujah. How, if I run, I don't want to be the only one running. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to invoke the name that at that name every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that at the name of Jesus. David said, you come to me with a sword and with a shield and with a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, who you defy. There are some things been defying the name of our God, but our God is still he who leads angelic armies. Two years ago, we were in the Valley of Elah. And I think that was our first time to be in that valley where David slew Goliath. Two years ago this month. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm looking over that valley right now in my mind. And David comes down that hill and there's a brook there and he stops in that brook and picks up five stones. I'm telling you, we have to do what we can in the natural. But I want you to know there's some unseen host that he was calling upon. Hallelujah. There is only one place on that soldier, Goliath, that was not protected. And whether he was that kind of incredible marksman, which I believe he was a good marksman, but I believe there was some angelic help. Hallelujah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, a rock hit the one place that that giant was vulnerable. One place and one place only. And down went the giant. What we need to uh, uh, call on is Lord Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of the angelic help that is available to the church today, available to you. There are still angels that are available to come and rescue the people of God, Psalms 91 says. Hallelujah. He slays that giant. A covenant was in place and God honored that covenant. But here's the thing. David wants to build a house of worship for God. Not tear down, not close, build. It says David wanted to build. And I, I loved reading that this week. He was all about building something for God. You see, when they came out of the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness, they had the tabernacle. They didn't throw the tabernacle away. They worshiped in the tabernacle for centuries. They moved it, they re-put it up in Shiloh. Now my wife found a very interesting passage this week we were studying. When it was first erected, it was erected by God and Moses. It was put up by God and Moses the first time it was erected. We can show you that, but don't wanna get into that. But they erected it in Shiloh, and it stayed there for centuries. And David finally says, I want to I build a house. I want to build a house for God. And God honored that. But he said, you've been a man of war. 
David was not perfect. He sinned, he failed, but God restored him. And, and, and uh, God used him and said of his lineage, it would last forever. We know that Jesus came through his lineage and that his son would sit on the throne and that was Jesus, amen? And of his kingdom, Jesus, he shall reign forever and ever and he will put down all enemies. Hallelujah. But God honored David. He wanted to build. He wanted to build. And God cut covenant with David. And David said, shall I offer to the Lord something that costs me nothing? David was allowed to get all of the, everything ready for temple to be built under his son Solomon. He was allowed to get all of the stone quarries that had to be developed ready, allowed to get the wood coming in from Lebanon, the gold, everything was being readied. And then God transitioned and allowed Solomon to build the temple. But what am I saying? After all of his worship of God, knowing God, walking in a close relationship with God, David's expression was, I want to build you a house. You know, may our hearts be in tune with a Davidic covenant that says, we want a place where we can come to. I, I believe in corporate worship. It's so important. But your home never, it can never take the place of your home, your family, your private worship. This is an expression. The temple was an expression when the people would come together. They had synagogues in every community, and they were important places. Friends, the temple became a place that David wanted to build and wanted to have ready for the worship of God. And God honored that and established covenant. And David sacrificed a blood sacrifice, and God honored that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, Maybe you're here this morning and things are not where they ought to be spiritually with the Lord. Maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you're not saved, not born again, or maybe you're backslidden. If you know you need to pray before you leave this sanctuary, I invite you to come to the front right now. Come from where you are. I want you to just leave your pew and come to the front. Come on, come right now. If you need to be in this altar for prayer, if you know there's a spiritual need in your life, I invite you to come right now. Come. Come. God bless you. Come on. God bless you. I want to appeal to anyone who is not saved. If you are not born again, you need to come to Jesus today. If you're not born again, you need to give your life to Christ. If you're a backslider, you need to come. What about it, sir? What about it, mom? What about it? There are others I know that have need to pray before you leave this sanctuary. And if you need to build an altar of prayer, maybe it's been a long time since you built an altar of prayer, I invite you to come to this altar right now. God bless you, men. God bless you, men. Amen. If you need to build an altar of prayer, come. 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 don't let your altar be empty of sacrifice don't let your altar be empty of prayer petition before the Lord I want everyone to come that needs a miracle of God in your life I want you to come right now from all over this sanctuary if you need a miracle in your life come on come 
If you need a miracle in your life, come to an altar. Come to an altar. Come to an altar. Come. Come. Let's sing this one time through. worship. Come on. This is an altar of corporate worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Holy is the Lamb of God.
want to read the ironic blessing. Keep in mind as we read this, that when he uses the word Israel, we're grafted in there. We're grafted in because we're Abraham's seed by faith in Christ. The Lord spake unto Moses, speak unto Aaron and to his sons. This is how you will bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, lift your hands now, the Lord bless thee and the Lord keep thee. And the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And you will put my name, God's name, Jehovah, Yahweh, all of the names of God, every revelation of his name is important. Put those over your family. Declare them over your family. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Just go through the names of God. But you will put my name upon your families, your children of Israel, and I will bless them. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up a shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. Don't miss the service tonight at 6 o'clock. Don't forget the food truck out there.